it simple, really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike show. Please welcome to today's episode of the Tea with Mike show, Carissa Jaco. Carissa is an aspiring film producer and is currently, I believe, studying digital media at Indiana University South Bend while doing some work with TJ21 Media. Carissa's hobbies include pageantry, and then in her spare time, she also does model collaborations with local photographers. And if that's not busy enough, Carissa also volunteers for organizations like Cultivate Food Kitchen and also Meow Mission, which we'll get to later because they sound very different from one another. But first, welcome to the Tea with Mike show, Carissa. Hi there, Mike. I am so happy to be here. I brought my tea and everything. I wanted to come extra prepared today. So yeah, really excited to be here. Awesome. I love it. So what's your favorite type of tea? Ooh, it really depends. I love chamomile tea. I'm really big into just drinking tea without any honey or sugar. Right now I'm drinking ginger tea because it's very, it's just very soothing. I, I like more of the earthier kinds of tea because um, it helps me stay grounded, but that's just me. Uh, do you drink a lot of black tea? Yes, I, I do like black tea. I've get, been getting more into herbal tea, but I used to be more of a black tea kind of person. But now I've kind of transitioned. I like kind of like more like unique blends as well that are just kind of like off the wall and indifferent, you know, those new age alternative teas. <laughs> I'm really bad at this. You know when you, like, well, because obviously I'm British and I grew up drinking Yorkshire tea? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 and so I, in my head, I'm like, this is the only, like, tea that I can possibly drink. Mm -hmm. And then to to the point you were making a little bit, there's so many, like, different varieties of tea out there. And a tea that I've been trying to bring into my, I guess, my overall tea drinking habits I've had a cough and a cold recently, so I started mm -hmm. drinking a lot more green tea, right? And I oh, thought yeah. that was really like helpful for the throat and stuff. But yeah. green tea is a little bit different to black tea in the sense of when I'm drinking black tea, I'm probably done the tea in like five minutes. But I find if I'm drinking green tea, then the cup of tea might last maybe like half an hour, even an hour, right? Because it has that initial taste. It's hard to describe, but you almost get that different taste the longer you leave it too, right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, just like teas have different, you know, properties and can help the body in different ways. I know there's a tea that I recently got. It was like an, an angsty tea or anxiety tea, and it's supposed to help relieve anxiety and help you stay in the present. And there's other teas that, you know, do the opposite that give you energy, like green tea and, or black tea. So I think it just, it depends on what you want to do. If you want to be more, you know, present and, and use it in spiritual practices, or if you want to, if you're on the go and you're, you're ready to start your day. So that's why I love tea because it's, it's for every part of the day, every, every person. <laughs> Nice. And how many cups of tea do you think you drink a day or does it does it kind of fluctuate a little it bit? It flows. It flows for sure. I'm usually like an evening drinker. Like if I am just trying to like settle down my day, trying to do some self-care, you know, in the bathtub, you know, lighting some candles, you know, burn some incense. So yeah, a nice, nice hot cup of tea for self-care is, is really nice. Fantastic. And so we're going to dive into your story, but yeah. always good to shout out people that we both know in our respective networks. So a big shout out to Eric Chow, one yes. of my good friends and frequent guest now, I guess, on the Team With Mike podcast. We, he's been on a couple of times and then we've, we've also like collaborated a lot. So I 
I guess big shout out to you, Eric. You better be listening to this podcast episode. <laughs> yes, thank you, Eric. You're awesome. Awesome. So can you start by telling us a little bit about where you grew up and where you call home now? Yeah, so I was born and raised in South Bend, Indiana, literally five minutes away from the Notre Dame campus. So as a kid, I would always, you know, walk around there, bike there, just really, that was that's what feels like home to me. And it's kind of interesting when people go there and they're like, like, wow, this is so cool. This is Notre Dame. And I'm like, oh, I've grown up here. This is this is second nature to me. But yeah, I've, gr- I've grown in South Bend, Indiana. I have a twin sister, even though we are fraternal twins. She looks just like me. And some people can tell us apart and some of people can't. So it's really funny to see people's reactions when we are um, introduce each other and, and people who've known us for years who can tell us like night and day. Yeah, so I really got into my passion for media production and all those things when I was in high school. So I went to Career Academy South Bend, and I was going to tell you it was right by Blackthorn Golf Course, but I'm not sure if you know where that is. But for those who live in South Bend, you may know where that is. And I actually worked with a film producer, a former film producer that was my high school teacher at the time, and he taught me how to edit. He taught me how to... um, produce content. And I just picked it up naturally. And uh, as somebody who wasn't very technologically advanced, I was really surprised on how quickly I picked it up, how fun it was for me, and how much I love telling stories. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at now. I go to IUSB, and I am currently majoring in digital media studies. And starting there and, and beginning my bachelor's degree, I got my associate's degree in business at Ivy Tech, Um, and transferred over there. And now I'm working at TJ21 Media, where I am now putting what I am learning in school into practice and doing uh, media production for advertisements for businesses, nonprofits, for weddings, for families. So it's been an incredible whirlwind of changes in the right direction. I've been with TJ21 for about five months. Five months before then, I was working three jobs I was a house cleaner. I was a bridal consultant, security guard. Oh, and there's one more. I also worked for a filing. I did filing for a trucking company, all while I was in school as well. So I was the jack of all trades for a while, but then now I'm kind of back into my elements and so very grateful to kind of ride this wave and this journey of learning my passions and and being a part of my dream. So yeah, that's that's a little little crash course, little little snippet of of Carissa there. Cool. I wanted to make two points. Firstly, it's it's cool because I also a few years ago now, I guess a couple of years to three years, I worked in retail and entertainment security. So just a I guess a similarity between us. And then the second mm-hmm. point that I wanted to make, it must be really cool, like getting that opportunity. TJ Twenty One Media, like whilst you're still in school, in the sense of obviously you're you're learning, but then you can also like practice it in real time. And you're also mm-hmm. building that real world experience and that portfolio because that was the biggest challenge for me. I went to school for media and communications, mm-hmm. but I wasn't like practicing anything I was learning in the real world just because of, I guess, the job market and where I live. And even when I graduated the two year media and communications program, I couldn't find work. That, that's actually right. the truth. I got really excited for a while, you know 
you got the excitement, you just graduated, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna get that job, like, right away, it's gonna be, mm-hmm. like, a cakewalk, and then, I don't know, maybe it was just because the market was shrinking at the time, like, people went from, like, five people in a department to one to two people, and they wanted, mm-hmm. like, 20 years experience, and I had a couple of interviews, didn't get anywhere, and, and then it was like, oh, what am yeah. I doing with my life, so I just think it's cool that things seem to be clicking for you I think that's the overall point that I'm trying to make yeah oh yeah and I mean I was so lucky because I would have been in that position and I was worried to be in that position when I first started this degree because I'm like oh man I don't really know what's out there in South Bend you know there sometimes there seems to be a lot going on sometimes there doesn't I don't have a lot of connections I am new to all of this and I was blessed and I got an email from one of the directors for my major and they um, said hey they're looking TJ21 is looking for interns you know if you we know you're a good student we've looked at your grades you know so you can definitely apply and I remember I was I was calling uh, my my future boss on the phone at the time he wasn't my boss and he wanted to schedule an interview with me and I was so used to having people wait for like a week and and like saying oh he's probably busy maybe next week or all this stuff and so I was like oh maybe maybe next week when you're available we can schedule an interview he's like no I want you in tomorrow like I want you in now let's go get this done and in that moment I learned okay this is the business this is the mindset of it's now we it's it's now or never to take an opportunity and I think after that experience, I have gained so much more opportunity and the opportunities that I've wanted, not the ones that I felt like I was obligated to take. Because there is a huge difference between, you know, having opportunity that will help you grow and opportunity that is taking your time. So I, I think that was a really huge growing moment for me and a huge blessing. You know, it felt like that situ- that was meant to be, like this step was meant to be. So uh, yeah, very very cool and was not expected because I would have been in the same the same position I would not have known what to do after after I graduated so yeah it's all about connections nice and then so what are some of your favorite programs to edit in Mm -hmm. before I started here I did well I use Premiere that was that's the biggest thing you use Premiere and that's like that is the program that you use but when I was on a budget or if I was doing my own project I used like Shotcut or you know, the literally the video editor that's on your laptop. I use Blender too. I know Blender is an animation software, but they also had a video software. I remember doing that during, I was also in robotics. I did media for my robotics team in high school. And the the director who was there was sick. And so I took his place. Like I was a junior, senior in high school, you know, taking this place of this guy who's been doing this for years. And I had to create a highlight video. And he, he said, I use Blender. That's what I use. Uh, you can use Premiere all you want, but I use Blender. And I said, okay, well, I'll figure Blender out. And in that moment, I remember I was sitting there editing this video and there are all these like teenage boys around me like, wow, what are you doing? Like, what, like, how does this work? And we're all like trying to figure it out and piece it together. And it just was like a, it was like a woman power moment right there. Just like, okay, so also- I got this, going to figure it out. So my biggest thing, again, my biggest thing is, is Premiere, but I've also dabbled in, you know, other, other different softwares as well. They all generally have the same type of concept. It's just figuring out like, okay, what is a small difference and being patient with it when it can be a little bit, I guess, tedious at times. 
Ultimately, from the outside, as I'm listening, it sounds like you've always had that spark in you, that, that creative energy, and now you're experiencing it in real time, so different places you can put that creative energy and the results that you can produce from that, right? And see, I don't like video editing in the sense that it's time consuming. It's not how my like brain ticks, but right. it, it's cool that it's the, the thing for you, right? So. Oh, yeah. I mean, and there's also, you know, I I did not edit as much as I do now. And so I edit all the time now. And there are times where it's like, okay, I need a break. Like, this is a lot for me. And luckily, my job is amazing because there is a it is a wonderful combination between going out to like a shoot and talking with clients and, and being around people and then introverting and then just focusing on, OK, let's make this project for that client that you just connected with. Now you can just be in the zone. So it's perfect for me because I'm an ambivert. So being able to talk to people and then take my space and do what I need to do is it's perfect. It's perfect for me. But everybody's different. <laughs> Exactly right. And so what are maybe like one to three skills that you would say that you've learned so far on your journey in the areas of like video? Yeah. So the biggest thing, I mean, I I really want to take this from my experience at my job because I feel like I've learned the most from from my job. But in general, being able to adapt there are going to be times where you are creating a video and things just don't go your way. You don't get the shot that you want or the person that you're editing for, their shots are blurry in certain areas and you're like, oh, that could have been so great, but you moved this way and that's shaky here, the camera's shaky, shaky here. You have to be able to say, you know, I have a vision, but I also can adapt that vision to make this work because you're going to be spending hours trying to make it the way you want it to when you simply can't you have to be able to you know adapt to to what you have to work with i see the other is is being patient with yourself when it comes to editing no matter how hard you work no matter how fast you are it's going to take time and you have to trust the process and be okay with it taking a little bit of time time for sure and then lastly i would say i would say the biggest thing is like communicating what you're doing because when I I know what sometimes when I explain things to either like my coworker or my boss I'm like and the thing was here and this was there and you just got to put it in and you have to learn how to 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 use a technical vocabulary and you have to be able to to talk to to that to them and also your clients because you can't really explain like okay this is there to clients who've never edited before so being able to translate that mode into talking to some somebody else is that's a whole skill like you you have to be able to encode that and and translate that to to make it make sense so yeah those are those are my three things that I think I had to learn those very very quickly to it by my my time here and it's been it's been awesome it's it's definitely boosted my excitement and confidence in in media for sure also and then how long is the internship well, the internship is now turned into more of a, a full-time position, oh, um, but it will turn more into a part-time position when I go back to school. So I, I'll i have a full-time job when I graduate. So I will be there as, as long as I physically possibly can, as long as I keep on chugging away and keep on giving it my 110% for sure, which I'm very blessed about. What a great position mm-hmm. to be in. Cool. And so just kind of away from the video. So what were some of your favorite childhood memories and why? Oh, my gosh. That is so, you know, I think the biggest thing 
that I will probably say. And I, I would say it's more like a tween, like an in-between childhood memory. And I would say it was the time that I won um, first runner-up in the very first pageant that I competed in. And I think that was the biggest memory that I had was walking into the interview room. I've never done pageant interview before in my my entire life. You know, I'm just kind of going and hoping for the best, like it's for a job. And I remember them asking me about things I did in school. And I my eyes just lit up. I got I got very excited and I just could not stop talking about, okay, this is this is what I do, this is what I'm passionate about. And I know that with every sentence that I said, like their eyes lit up with me. It's like, okay, they connected with me. And I think that was the first time that I felt like I was able to communicate something that I cared about and have people connect with me because I am on the autistic spectrum. And so there were times where, especially throughout my childhood, where I felt misunderstood and I didn't feel like people were on the same page as me in terms of of how I felt. So I felt like in that moment of interviewing a judge or, or being with them, they were with me. It was like, oh my gosh, this is this is a feeling that I want to feel again. Like I want to connect with people in that way. I never thought I could do that. And it was like, oh, this is great. This is awesome. So something that I will always cherish, remember forever. Cool. Okay. And then so go through school. I have passion for kind of digital media, specifically Mm -hmm. video, even a a little bit of leading some group projects and that type of thing in the example that you just gave. So what kind of happens after you leave school? Talk to us about how you get to studying for an associate's degree in business with, I believe, a minor in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my path was so interesting. When I was graduating high school, I was told about the ASAP program at Ivy Tech. And at the time, I didn't really have a clear direction of where I wanted to go. I knew that I had a passion for business. I knew that my dad was an entrepreneur, and I thought that was amazing. And I thought I had his entrepreneurial spirit. So I was like, okay, we should definitely try that. But I also knew that, oh, I have this new skill in digital media. Well, I know I'm going to use business and digital media potentially if I start producing my own films. Why don't I get into that first? So I found out about the ASAP program, which is basically an accelerated associate's degree program where you get your associate's degree in one year. And during that time, I was the 2020 graduate. So I was the year of COVID. So right when I went graduated high school, I went right into college and that was all virtual. So my college experience for the first year was totally online. And these courses were condensed. So I had a six week, you know, six weeks to do a, a eight weeks or sometimes 12 weeks worth of work. And it was all online. So it was big, like cramming, okay, let's get this done. And again, at this time, I didn't really have a direction. I knew I wanted, I, I liked film, but I didn't really have an exact direction. I just knew I wanted to get my associate's degree done and get it transferred. So I went through my year and I got accepted into this applied entrepreneurship program, which was a program that I had been meaning, I had a dream of getting into in high school, but there was always something that got in the way. There was always a waiting list or something happened where I I just couldn't fit it in my schedule. So I'm so happy that I did it at the time that I did, because then I had more of a direction of where I wanted to go. And I met some amazing people that really inspired me and that pushed me to 
follow my passion and my dreams. And so that all of that kind of came in, into one year. I got my entrepreneurship minor in two years. Well, I would say one and a half. Yes, that's what happened. And that was halfway virtual as well. So it was basically just like cramming. Okay, we're going to get the basics done. We're going to move on. And that's when I transferred to IUSB right after that. So it was definitely like a whirlwind. Okay, let's get this together. Let's get, let's get, lay the foundation. And now let's do what you, what you are dreaming of doing. So I, it, it was a very crazy time. I remember I also had COVID during one of the six like month period or week periods. And I remember it was like a Microsoft office class and I'm having this giant headache. I remember. And I was like, I have to get it done because you can't make an excuse when it's a, you know, it's a fast course and you're doing it online. And I remember just like, just kicking it out. So it was a lot of work, but it was so worth it in the end. And how did you find the whole kind of virtual learning experience? Was it something that you found you easily adapted to or was it something that that, that was quite challenging? Because I know for me personally, mm-hmm. I probably can do virtual because I'm a very like social person and I need like social interaction yeah. with whoever, to be honest, in the context that we're like talking about. Oh, yeah. So I was I for some of the classes, it was it was not as hard because I was used to doing like uh, my school had e-learning days anyways. So we already had virtual learning down so they would make up for snow days. So they kind of already had that together. And then when COVID happened, I already was mentally prepared for what, what, what Ivy Tech was going to be like. So it was in that sense, it was easy in terms of staying on top of stuff. However, when it came down to like harder classes, like brief calculus, that was really hard for me because I I was a kid who struggled in math. So doing that and then asking for help, it was it was hard to find that connect. And I think a lot of people felt that way also. So it kind of it kind of felt stuck. But I think the biggest thing that helped me through that is asking questions to death. Like, it does not matter if you annoy your teacher or your mentor or your classmate. Just ask until you understand. And that's what got me got me through it. And I did pretty well. And and now I've laid that foundation. I'm here. <laughs> also, and then just to add to your point again, I think sometimes people don't ask enough questions because they're afraid on how it might be perceived by someone else in the class. And mm-hmm. I think people forget that everybody learns differently and what makes 100% sense to one person might make zero sense to another person, right? Right, absolutely. And I think, especially as people who have their brains wired differently and think differently, there's just a different way. You have to be more creative. Sometimes it takes more time. But I feel like for me, it takes a little bit more time. But when I get it, it's like, okay, I got it. And it's, it's good. Or you know, I get it once and then I need it to be repeated a bunch of times. And then once I get it, it's like, it's like a part of me. So I think every, yeah, everybody's different and virtual learning sometimes helps with that and sometimes doesn't. And I'm really glad we're past that now where we can be more interactive, but yeah, it just depends on the person for sure. Okay. So uh, we're going to take a brief pause for a little tea fact and then we'll jump like right back in it. Okay. okay, so today's uh, tea fact is black tea can affect iron absorption. Some well-known health benefits of tea obviously includes its ability to boost your immune system and decrease inflammation. However, black tea can affect iron absorption, so apparently you want to avoid it, especially if you're taking 
an iron supplement. And that comes from www.eatthis.com slash tfacts. So that is kind of today's tfact all around black tea and iron absorption. That is so ironic, especially when you brought up about the immune system, how it boosts your immune system, because we were just talking about COVID (laughs) and we were talking about black tea, which is that's I find that really funny. I I love black tea, though. I'm not going to stop drinking it, though. (laughs) Me too. I'm drinking drinking black tea right now. (laughs) Just going to film more generally outside of kind of like video. What's your favorite film and why? Ooh. Ooh. That's a hard one. That's a really hard one because I have so many films I really enjoy. There was this, I've been getting a lot more into older films. I cannot remember the name of it, but I thought it was super cool. I think it's Guess Who's Coming Home. Have you heard of that one? I have um, It is a very, very old film. And it is about an interracial couple that comes home. And the woman is Caucasian. And she introduces her fiancé at the time to her family. And basically, like, it's this whole journey of, like, okay, this is the person that I love. This is who it is. And and you have all these, you know, racial discriminations still. And, and just kind of going through that and seeing how older films, even during that time, talk about these issues. And I love that about older films because they really get into the the meat and potatoes of, okay, this is what needs to change in society. This is how we're going to bring this up. So I I really, really like that one. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've just been getting into a really older film kick. And I think it's because I took an intro to film class and they introduced me to a lot of amazing films. I never watched a silent film before until that class. And that was just there's there's a power when it comes to that there's a power when it comes to like the silence and and those older films because they they got it like there are just certain things that those producers saw that they were awakening in their culture and you get to see it happening like you know what's going to happen in history but you get to see the first steps and i feel like that's the biggest power of, of film that like, it, ha- it can impact so many people in such a positive way there's just so much so much power to visual communications in general so my little tidbit my, my favorite movie right now and it changes so would you definitely say that like when you're watching a film if you you're looking at it in a completely different way to maybe if you're watching it with members of your family for example i'll let you expand but are you looking for like what types of technique they use mm-hmm. and like how, like how it's like pieced together so do you look at it a little bit yeah. more analytically and kind mm-hmm. of a sub question is: Has it ruined films for you in the sense that you that you can't that you can't watch it like somebody that isn't connected with the film or even like video industry or even digital for for that matter? Yeah, I remember for for that class in particular, like we had to know: Okay, are these hard cuts or what angles are they using? What techniques are they using? What what genre? You know, and I, I I remember sitting with my family and, and they usually watch Netflix shows. They don't watch movies. And, I, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is a long, long shot or a long, long cut or, or whatever. And they're doing this, this and that. And they're just looking at me like, what? Like, OK, that's great. But we need to watch our show. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of weird because I have always been I, I love getting into the story. I'm a very like when I'm absorbed in something, it's there. 
and then combining that with like, oh, this is what this is so with my analytical. Okay, this this is this thing. This is that. I really like how they added that audio there. Like, I see what they were doing. I love how they like recorded that separately to make it more realistic and all and all these things and, and their technique. Or I would have done this differently to add more effect. And seeing that it, it makes an experience for me. And so part of bias sometimes when I do self care, I'll just sit in my room and I'll watch like a film that I haven't before and just dissect it, and just kind of be in the in the moment with that movie it's very it's it's awesome for me but when I'm with other people I feel like people just get annoyed by me they're just like okay please leave we're just trying to enjoy the film <laughs> I'm like okay I'll just go in my room <laughs> watch my own show or movie <laughs> I got you and that's the same with anything to be honest that you mm-hmm. that you're super passionate about and know a lot yeah. about so like I know a lot about footballs like soccer and, and stuff and there's only a handful of people that I know that can ever like talk about it with me on the the same level, and everybody yeah. else after like like you like you said after a couple of minutes there, uh, it's just not what their interests are, and they they right. don't mean to be rude, but they're not interested. So it's like talking to a brick wall, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I will say that I probably could not relate to you on anything sports. <laughs> I I can barely throw a ball, <laughs> but but I definitely hear you. I can relate to you on that. Um, on so many levels. Um, there is a book too that I, I used to read. It's called like All Cats Have Asperger's Syndrome. And it was like a, a kid's book, but it was to help people understand how people could think differently and how everybody thinks differently. And one of the pages that it had is like, sometimes people, you know, this person could talk countlessly on end and end for hours and hours. And in the book, there was, like, it was just this cat saying, I like black mice, I like brown mice, I like white mice, and then this other cat that's like covering their ear, their ears. And I'm like, yeah, that's definitely me. I can relate to that so hardcore. I am the cat that just keeps talking and talking for hours and hours about what seems like nonsense. So definitely, I feel like we all have those moments for sure. And I have those moments in the sense that I always remember super red random facts one mm. thing that i'm very good at doing just is i talk about so many random like topics like out of context or like say something that 99 people out of 100 wouldn't respond with to whatever mm-hmm. was just happening happening previously but a good percentage of the time it reminds somebody of something that they have to do do and they're like oh thanks for thanks for, <laughs> oh thank, th- thanks for this i just remembered i gotta do this and it happens way more than you think and the thought they remembered is nothing really to do with what i'm saying but mm-hmm. for some reason it like tri- like trickled their brain so those oh moments are so weird but like that's so cool oh my gosh i feel like that just happened to me the other day too I was filming somebody and they're like, I need to think of something else to say for this video. And I was just kind of like going on a rant, like, oh, you could say these things. And it's like, okay, I got it. And it was something totally different from what I was suggesting. So I feel like that that happens to me too. And I, I, I do feel like random facts. So like, I feel like that really helps in conversation too. I, I think I, I've always had a couple good, good facts in my back pocket. That's, that's saved me a lot in conversations for sure. But yeah, I can definitely relate to you on that just even talking to people in general like and yeah. some of the stuff that I do daily I notice even from other people that are doing the same thing I'm talking from my I guess a customer service angle like I I can switch it up like so quickly in the sense of like who I'm talking to like I can get a, mm-hmm. a quick vibe on that person and that really helps me in the conversation mm-hmm. and, I, and there's some customers that like when I first like met them if they're a regular customer I'd stonewall a brick wall, but 
like over time I've like broken down the wall bit by bit mm. and, uh, and now it's like it's not the same person that was, like was there a week ago two weeks ago a month right so I find that yeah. interesting too oh yeah oh yeah for sure for sure I definitely have have felt that way with people too I I noticed that I am super awkward at first I have a hard time shipping at that brick wall it's like okay how do we do this? But I feel like the more that you that you get comfortable with that person, the more that you talk about things that you have in common, or you kind of then you kind of divert away from that, and then that's when it's like, okay, there's that connection. There we go. Just takes a little bit of time. Yeah, I think I surprised one person because he was like, "You don't really care about how I uh, like feel," because I asked him like something generic because I like I didn't know it was like, "How should they go?" That I literally without thinking about it like because I tried to be like authentic and genuine I was like yeah actually yeah. I, I I do care like how how is your day, day going and he kind of like softened it up and then the, the next time he was a little bit more receptive to the overall mm. like dialogue than he was the first time course, it doesn't work with everybody some people are, are, are never going to change but there is I would say the majority of people kind of land in the middle and you can win them over towards mm-hmm. conversation and I guess the the pandemic hasn't helped with social interaction either. People West used to have like one brick wall up. Now they have like fifty two brick walls. Yeah. Up. Yeah. So. Oh, for sure. And I and I feel like also some people have been more extroverted as well. And I think a lot of people could be, I guess, energy energy vampires, which then brings up more walls for other people. So it's like, are you an energy vampire? You're being nice to me. Usually that means you want something from me. And I've I've seen that a lot. But I think. Once you start genuinely showing that you care about people, if you're just like you're just consistently genuine, I, I feel like that's really what's what's going to help break those walls down is just being present, uh, which is very hard to do in our society when we're instant gratification, like going all the time. It's, it's hard to just like, okay, I'm actively showing you right now in real time. I'm here and I'm not trying to take anything from you. I don't have a super tight schedule kind of thing oh yeah for sure especially if i know i'm yeah you're right if you're there till x time and that's true they, they're only there for 10 seconds i, I get what you're saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah for sure cool so where do you kind of see yourself in like five years time in the the whole video like film space i see myself not only getting more experience but i would say you know working at higher level productions really learning what it's like in the film space like okay do I have more confidence in creating my own script do I have more confidence in directing and in taking more leadership roles in film production especially at the time I I am hoping fingers crossed that I have my degree I feel pretty confident about that but the, it, you're never certain there's always something that could happen and I I definitely want to say that I've traveled and that I have met different people and different perspectives because I think that is a big part that goes into play with filming and writing and directing is can you understand other people's perspectives can you create a narrative can you create a script can you create characters that are relatable to your audience it's not really about you and and your one track mind this is what I want it's how am I going to make something that's going to impact the world around me and I think traveling and talking to people and connecting is really going to help me do that. And that's really a big goal of mine in the next five years is just travel and see people. Cool. And kind of embrace different cultures and perspective. 
Yes. Oh, that's a big, big thing for me. I, I haven't traveled much. I have not even, I haven't traveled outside the country. And that's a big, big goal of mine. I, I remember I was supposed to travel to Italy, supposed to travel to Paris, Costa Rica. All of those trips got canceled because of COVID. So, you know, those are big places, big spots that I want to hit at some point to just go to say that I went because I I was mentally prepared to and then COVID hit. So looking forward to hit those places on my on my mental map. I love it. I like the different references you're making, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. yeah, for sure. Charles, you touched on it very briefly earlier on, but I'm hoping maybe you can expand on it a little bit. I understand that you have some learning differences, as we just mm-hmm. kind of discussed before we started recording. I have ADHD and dyslexia, so yeah. obviously these gives me strengths like verbal abilities, but then I also have to develop strategies for working around some of my challenges. So can mm-hmm. you tell us if you're comfortable with some of your learning differences, the strengths they give you, and also some of the challenges that you've faced because of them? Yeah, absolutely. So it's been an interesting journey and in, in, in challenge in terms of like what I have, figuring out what I have and translating that into now. So when I was younger, how I kind of, my family found out what was kind of going on and that I needed help was my anxiety. So I could not go into restaurants or public spaces without rushing to the bathroom in fear and just like hiding in the bathroom, wanting to go home, like not being able to talk to anybody, struggling with eye contact and and just really not being able to connect with my peers. I was very, even though I had a twin sister that was by my side most of the time, I was very isolated. Ironically, my sister and I, we are complete opposites. So I was on the spectrum of autism diagnosed. She was not. So in that sense, we were very disconnected. So that felt a little bit more isolating for me. So from there, I got tested, went to, to therapy, did all these things. And it turned out that I was on the spectrum of autism. And that looks so different for a female to a male. For mine, I took things very literally. So it was, and it was more subtle. So one time my mom told me, I'm going to hop to the store. And my response was, oh, are you going to get tired? Because that's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of hopping. That's how I so, would respond too. Yeah, exactly. Just- so it's just that literal, like, okay, so I can't, like, even now I struggle with sarcasm and like the people around me are extremely sarcastic. So they poke fun at me all the time, but it's hard. It's hard to be like, oh. And I've trained myself now to like think it and then like, oh, but you can physically tell on my face, like, I'll th- think about it and I'll like take it like seriously. And then I like draw back and it's like, oh, that's what that meant. And then you just kind of move on. But those like tiny little like social cues, like I really struggled to understand that. And then like explaining sometimes a, a feeling that I'm having or an experience that I'm having, it is hard because for me, emotions are big and they're very overwhelming. So sometimes like either I'll get really loud and I'll be very expressive if I have a big emotion or I'll have a hard time even saying words at all. And those things were really hard for me in terms of socializing. So for me, 
it wasn't necessarily learning, which learning, it was hard for me. Like it took me longer to understand certain concepts because the way they were told to me, I had to translate them in my own brain to make it make sense. But it was more of the social aspect that was the hardest for me. It took me a long time to learn to look people in the eye. It took me a long time to be able to speak how I feel and, and talk with confidence and pageantry really helped me out a lot with that as, as well. But also I have to give credit to my mom. She was a really big part of helping me with presence, with talking to people. And so I was blessed in that area and also years of therapy. But yeah, that's kind of the inner world of, of me and some of the things I've experienced. And I'm really proud of, of the way that I think. I think the way that I think is a blessing because it gives me the ability to not only be passionate about what I, I love to do, but I think it gives me the different perspective of storytelling. So I can create videos in a way that's different and unique that other people don't think of because the way I think it's different. And so I feel like it's kind of like a superpower that nobody knows about because a lot of people um, look at me and they're like, you're not autistic. Like I can't, I can't see that. But what they don't know is that in girls, it just looks different. Like it's, it's different in many ways and you know once you get to know that person you see it more and yeah so I, I I see as my little my little superpower for sure awesome thank you for sharing and I'm sure there'll be somebody listening that if it doesn't relate to themselves they know somebody that has that I guess perspective on, on the world mm-hmm. and maybe maybe they'll just present a little bit more kind of like open dialogue about the about the subject so mm-hmm. thank you yeah yeah absolutely cool okay so in your bio you mentioned that you do some volunteering in your i assume local community mm-hmm. with organizations such as cultivate food kitchen and meow missions so can you tell us a little bit about these organizations and types of volunteering that, that you do when you're helping these organizations yeah so i cultivate kitchen was um, I think the first time that I went out and actively volunteered on my own. Cultivate is a food packaging organization that that helps feed schools, helps feed families that can't afford um, that. And so I would go in there and I would help package um, some of the food. And they're like little microwave meals. And it was it was so powerful to be to be there because you you make so much and you realize how many people you're helping. I got into that when I did national Americanness. I went to nationals for that organization. I made it to, to the, the national competition. And one of the requirements was to get a certain number of, of hours for volunteer experience. So I went there, you know, just to, just to say, hey, I, I volunteered, you know, these are my requirements, here you go. But after I think that experience and seeing that, I, I really, I didn't like how that made me feel. I didn't like the fact that I'm going here to later help myself like that's it didn't feel right to me so I once I kind of took a break from pageantry I made it my mission and my goal to volunteer for just volunteering just to experience and, and to help people not for anything for myself so that's when I started volunteering for Meow Mission. And Meow Mission is a cat rescue center. So it's for outdoor cats and to, you know, 
get them the medical attention they need. And we, we kind of clip their ears a little bit so we know that we have taken care of them and they, they are safe and they're healthy. And then we let them out into, back into the, the wild, I guess, or the, the wild streets of South Bend, Indiana, so that they can just be free and they can be healthy. We also do take in cats and we, you know, adopt them if they don't seem like they are fit to to be out back on the streets. So it just depends on on which cat and some, some of the cats we let leave there in the facility. So it, we just are really attentive to every cat's needs. And I have a big heart for animals anyways. So I volunteer by, you know, either donation or by I clean every month. Um, sometimes twice a month if they need me. So I just, it's my little way of giving back to to people and to the community. And it's something I'm, I am proud of and I take um, very seriously because I, I, for a long time, it was very much about like, go, me, let's do this. And I, I think it's time for me to give back. And this is my way of giving back. Awesome. And so what's kind of a, maybe one memorable story that you can share with us about kind of an experience that you had as a volunteer and also how did it impact you? Mm, I think the biggest the biggest thing and it wasn't because I have I have two big experiences now I'm gonna I'm gonna share both of them. So I was at Cultivate and I remember doing food packaging for the first time and a family came in and they came in and, and they they helped package with me and I loved and I just saw their attitude. And this was the time that I was mostly just like doing it for, for hours. And that was kind of my mindset. And I saw their attitude and that was like their family bonding time. It was their time to give back and just be together as a family. And they just seemed super like positive attitude, like let's do this together. And it made the work go a lot faster and they, they just were on top of it. It was great. And it was, it's so cool. Cause when you're there and you're doing food packaging, everybody's close together. And so you're meeting new people every time and you're seeing different perspectives while you're helping other people. So that part was really, really cool. And then the other thing is I helped the Family Justice Center one uh, a couple couple years back. I, I donated some just essentials for women. So the Family Justice Center is, is for women who have experienced domestic violence um, and children who have experienced that and just a, having a shelter for them and, and being able to get the help that they need. And so I asked them, hey, like, I can't volunteer 24-7 because that's what they need at the time. Can I donate? What do you need? And I remember, you know, going into the facility and, and meeting the, the director and going through it and having her give me a tour and, and just seeing how these organizations work. I thought that was really powerful and how everybody works together. And I think that was my first time really seeing, okay, this is a, an organization that wants to help people. This is an organization that, that has that mentality. This is what this looks like. And this is something that I want to implement into whatever I do is that positive attitude. We're working together. It is not against. So that was, that was a really powerful experience for me as well. So I've had a lot of, lot of subtle, but distinctive memories. So nothing that was like super, like crazy saving a life, but it was those small attitudes, small, just ways of thinking that really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Very cool. And I'm sure that impacts you in the sense of you think about the decisions you're making and 
like what I guess what impact that leaves on whatever the situation is in. Mm-hmm. It gives you a, a different perspective when volunteering, and maybe to even appreciate some of the things that you have and stuff. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's all about intention, but also you know it's not about you. You have to. It's it's a reminder. It's we are all connected. We are all connected, and we are all helping each other. And and I think that really is a. It was a humbling, humbling experience for sure. So if you weren't busy enough, you also do some model collaborations with local photographers. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that entails? What my other collaborations important to you? Yeah. So one of my big dreams that I I had growing up was to become a model. I was always told, "Oh, you'd be such a such a great model. You would you could do all these cool things." And it was I ever since I was younger, I was like, okay, let's take these pictures for my portfolio. Like let's send them into modeling agencies. And so I was always on a modeling agency hunt. And what's really cool about South Bend is, you know, it's like a two hour drive to Chicago, three hour drive to Indianapolis and a five hour drive to Cleveland, Ohio. So you have like anywhere you want to go for big agencies, you have them, you have bigger cities. However, it's still that amount of time and most people in agencies, they want locals. So I would, you know, get into these agencies and everything and I wouldn't be able to be able to get any jobs because I was so far away and I needed to stay home. I needed to get my schooling done. I needed, you know, I needed to stay here with family and everything. So another thing that kind of held me back is because of my height, I was told I can't be a high fashion model. Like that's something that you just cannot do. So I I just kind of like ignored that and took things into my own hands and said, well, you know, a really good opportunity for me is to work with other photographers. You know, I do a little bit of photography as well. So I, I kind of connect a lot with photographers. And so I connected with a couple collab collab photographers who just do collaborations with other models. And I got to really experience what it was like to do more of that high fashion, to do more of what I wanted to do to create and express And so I met one that was from South Bend that moved to Miami about a year ago. And then he connected me to Rob Miller Photography, who's in in Elkhart. And, you know, he we've been collaborating for a couple months now, and it's been a really amazing experience to be able to have a creative space. So I really like collaborations because it's not you're not in a box. You're not having to to fit a certain mold you are you creating and so that's what I've been doing is I have photographers reach out to me all the time and we create together and I get a chance to travel sometimes and and do shoots that I never thought I could do and build my portfolio for if I want to do something with that in the future so if that's that in of itself has been a really cool experience and I love being able to take a weekend or a day after work to just create so that's definitely been a really cool outlet of mine that I've enjoyed. Oh, it's crazy all these different things that you got into. And instead of focusing solely kind of on one, like a lot of people tend to do one or two, it sounds like you're developing them all out in real time. And it's cool to see the overlap between different things and how it's benefiting your overall creativity. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big uh, believer in you don't have a lot of time. 
And so I like taking the time that I can to take as many opportunities as possible that are going to help me grow as a person. And I feel like I, I have done that. And there are times where I totally fail and I totally burn myself out. I will admit that fully, but I wouldn't regret any of the choices that I've made because they've made me the person I am today, for sure. That's a great way of summing it up for kind of like the last few minutes of the conversation today. Just kind of want to obviously talk about pageantry, be missing a beat if I didn't bring it up. So you have an extensive history in this particular area. So how did you kind of first become involved in pageantry? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I started, I was a pretty late pageantry girl. I actually, pageantry came to me. So I, I didn't really, I would see pageants on TV. I would think they were so cool and glamorous as a young kid, but never really pursued it. I got a letter in the mail when I was about 15 years old saying, hey, we're doing these open calls for the Miss Indiana pageant. And this time, this wasn't the Miss Indiana USA or America. This was a more of a, I would say, a newer pageant. But it was still like exciting to me. I didn't, I didn't know anything about the pageant world. Didn't really know about USA or America system. I just knew pageants were cool. So I, I went in there and, and I was interviewed and I was accepted. And I remember the first couple months of trying to like get sponsorships, trying to create my brand, getting a dress, and everything was hard. I remember it's, it's a lot of stress to prepare for a pageant. And I remember experiencing that, but I remember being so excited. Like, this is like a, it was a passionate motivation. Like, this is my thing. I'm a, I'm a big, everybody tells me that I have a really big determination and I have a lot of motivation that they don't know where it comes from. And yeah, it's it's very true. And I feel like pageantry really works for me in that way. Cause it's like, okay, I could just put myself in hyper-focus and do it. So it was, it was very rewarding to be able to get that sponsorship to be able to go and and have that experience. And I had that amazing interview experience that I'll forever remember. And I remember winning first runner up in that pageant. And that was my very first pageant. And that was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, okay, if I can do this, I can do anything. So that's when I started kind of looking more into different pageant systems. I did USA for teen. I did it for Miss. I did it for National American Miss, Miss Volunteer America, the America systems. So I did pretty much everything to see what pageant system works for me. And I could tell you the times that I did not get support and the times that I did get support were two very, very different. I made a lot of different like faux pas and things. I made a lot of mistakes, like everything in the book that you could, that could have happened wrong have has happened wrong to me. I remember going into into like a big like red carpet event wearing jeans because I did not read the instructions right. Did not read the email correctly at all. Like so totally just like flopping on my face, being on stage and, and walking in the completely wrong direction that I was supposed to at a national competition. Like there's so many things that I just did not do correctly at all, but I learned from them. And I had amazing support. And the thing that people don't know about the pageant community is that everybody has each other's backs. Everybody wants to see you succeed. So I would have so many people, like I'd have former judges. I would have people who do coaching or who competed with me reach out to me. Hey, I heard you're doing this pageant. Would you like me to do a mock interview? Or would you like, you know, X, Y, Z to help support you? How can I help you? And there was just such an amazing support 
And that I think that is what helped me succeed when top 10 in Miss Indiana USA, win the Viscaius Wear Award, going to nationals, you know, winning first runner-ups and multiple like smaller titles. That I think was the key to helping bring up my confidence and continuing to to succeed was those amazing people who who are supportive of you and creating that community. And I think that's why I have so much confidence, so much passion now because of that the pageant experience that I have. Also, that's a good way to tie everything together that we've been talking about today. So again, a little bit more generic, like what do you kind of do daily to look after your physical and mental well-being mm-hmm. to kind of ensure a healthy work-life balance? Because as we even in this hour, like we've covered a lot of things that you're actively doing. And so obviously the logical thing is that must mean at times it can be quite exhausting. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It, it can be overwhelming. And there, there are some, some days where it's like self-care is sleep, it's drinking water, take a shower and go to sleep. But when I do have time for self-care, the biggest thing for me is like, okay, where can I go where my mind can just be at peace? So whether that's working out, going for a drive, sometimes I, I like to go to the beach by myself. Like, I'm kind of weird. Like, I like the of just swimming and being in the waves and just clear my mind. Like, I, I just find kind of independent and kind of low-key obscure ways of just being alone and letting my mind just zone out and just kind of being present. The biggest thing I think for self-care is being present. Are you being present or are you escaping? So it's like finding that balance. And it's hard to find that balance. It really is, but it's a learning process. And so far, I think I'm doing pretty okay. But yeah, those are those are the the biggest things, and it's it's definitely been a a learning curve to remember to take care of myself because it's hard to remember that sometimes. Awesome. And then so let's close it out. Maybe what's kind of next for you personally and professionally? Yeah, the the biggest thing is really to keep going on this path I've just started. You know, I am just beginning on this path. I am 20 years old and I am fresh into the industry that I want to be in. So the biggest thing is like keeping my head down, keeping, keep working the grind, keep learning, keep experiencing, and then taking what I've learned and making that into something great. And what that great thing will be, I have no idea, but I know that when the time is right, the universe will present itself to me to where, okay, I know it, I can do it. So really just just working from here and, and staying on the path of education and working at TJ21. Fantastic. And thank you so much for being on the Tea with Mike show today, Carissa, and sharing some, some insight into your story and some of the exciting things that you have to look forward to moving forward. And I'm definitely really looking forward to watching your journey Again, just really appreciate you taking time out of your day and your life to uh, spend it on on the Tea with Mike show. Oh my gosh, yes. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me here. I have enjoyed talking with you and and connecting with you, and hopefully we can do it again sometime and and reconnect. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100% all all about conversations and connections and networking because that's the only way that that you you grow from your current position, right? So. Oh my gosh, yes. Absolutely agreed. Yeah, looking forward to it. Okay, everyone. This was another great episode of the Tea with Mike show with Carissa. 
talking about pageantry, uh, volunteering, video, film, and different kind of strategies for coping with learning challenges. If you enjoyed Carissa's story, make sure you check out some of the amazing other stories from people all over the world at, at teawithmike.com and on all of the kind of major podcasting platforms. Thanks, Carissa. It's the Tea with Mike show.